This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards with exclusive access to more than 70 prison letters written by Whitey Bulger himself and never-before-seen photos of his arrest and interviews with dozens of people connected to the case on both sides, including Bulger's own brother, William Bulger, and his accused murderer, Freddie Gius, Boston reporters Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge offer a trove of fascinating news stories and create an incomparable portrait of one of the most infamous criminals in American history. The book is Hunting Whitey, the inside story of the capture and killing of America's most wanted crime boss. Casey Sherman and Dave Wedge are one of the premier nonfiction writing teams telling stories out of Boston. Together, they co-wrote the definitive story of the Boston Marathon bombings in Boston Strong, a city's triumph over tragedy, which was adapted for the Mark Wahlberg film Patriot's Day. They also wrote Ice Bucket Challenge, Pete Freights and the Fight Against ALS, which is in development as a Netflix feature film, and the New York best, uh, Times bestselling 12, the inside story of Tom Brady's fight for redemption. They live in Boston. Happy to have Dave Wedge join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Dave, welcome to this program. Sure. Thanks for having me, Steve. So why this book for you guys on uh, Whitey Bulger? So Casey and I were you know, reporters in Boston for you know, many years, and uh, we covered the Whitey Bulger saga for, you know, for many years, uh, as, as most reporters who worked in Boston did, uh, you know, no reporter that's ever worked in Boston, uh, didn't at some point have some sort of brush with that case. So, uh, myself, I, I was a reporter at the Boston Herald. I started there in 1999. I worked there for 15 years. So I wrote, uh, dozens and dozens of stories about the Bulger case over the years and never really thought I'd, I'd do a book on it because I, you know, there's been a lot written about it and, you know, black mass and, all that stuff that departed. So um, I had other books to work on, as as you just described, that me and Casey did. But uh, that all changed when Whitey Bulger was murdered in a prison in West Virginia in 2018, uh, October. Um, at that point, our agent, we had just finished the Tom Brady book, and our agent uh, and I had a discussion. And we said, you know, someone's got to tell this final uh, chapter of this long-running 40-year crime saga that's really riveted not only Boston, but anyone who's a fan of, of true crime in this country. Um, and Whitey Bulger is really, you know, the last of the Mohicans in a lot of ways. You know, it's like Al Capone, John Gaudi, and then Bulger, and he's the last of a dying breed. So we figured that after he was murdered, um, there was an opportunity to really tell the end of this story. And that's what we, that's what we did here. Chatting with Dave Wedge, along with Casey Sherman, have a new book out, uh, Hunting Whitey, the inside story of the capture and killing of America's most wanted crime boss. You, you present some exclusive, never-reported details about Bulger's murder, including method and motive. Just a little about that. Yeah, so, you know, there's obviously when, when Bulger was murdered in uh, West Virginia, um, it was huge news. You know, when, when he was captured, it was really big news, and when he was murdered, it was it was just as shocking um because he was so old you know he's 89 years old you know if whitey bulger had been 60 in prison and was murdered i think people wouldn't have been as surprised but uh to have an 89 year old inmate killed after being transferred to a new prison uh he was dead within 12 hours of that transfer so there was a lot of questions there that needed to be asked and casey and i asked them and we found a lot of uh, a lot of information um about why that transfer happened um, it looks like, you know, from, from what we see here, it's a combination of negligence and incompetence. And, uh, and you know, there are still some uh, folks that, that likely need to be held accountable here because um, decisions were made to put Whitey Bulger into this prison 
which was nicknamed Misery Mountain because it was one of the worst prisons in America. Um, before Bulger was moved there, the Corrections Officers Union was in a battle with the Federal Bureau of Prisons to get more funding and to increase staff because they had had a corrections officer murdered. They had a couple of uh, inmate murders. They had uh, lockdowns, riots, all sorts of stuff. And um, it wasn't until Whitey Bulger got there uh, and was murdered that, that this prison now got the resource it needed. And it took Whitey Bulger to get, to get killed to bring attention to the problems at this prison. And uh, why he was transferred there um, still remains uh, a question that needs to be answered. Um, what we do know and what we report in the book is that his health classification was changed. He, there's, there's four tiers of, of uh, health classifications in the prison system. Whitey Bulger was the worst one, meaning he needed round-the-clock care. Before he was transferred to Hazleton, uh, Misery Mountain, that categorization was, was lowered a level to level three, which cleared the way for him to be transferred. Now, there was no reason to change the health classification of an 89-year-old inmate that was in a wheelchair, multiple heart attacks, needed nurses around the clock, um, but they still did that, and he was moved from the prison in Florida up to Hazleton, really under the cover of night, and was put into general population. And uh, as I said, he was dead 12 hours later. Chatting with Dave Wedge here on Speaking of Writers, he, along with Casey Sherman, have the book out now, Hunting Whitey, the inside story of the capture and killing of America's most wanted crime boss. Let's talk about the capture. How did this guy evade capture for nearly two decades, Dave? That's the other piece of the story that, that really made us want to write this book was, you know, there's been some, some books that have touched on his life on the run, and there's been some news stories and little details, but we really wanted to dig in on that side of the story because we really were fascinated by the fact that, you know, a guy in his 70s and 80s uh, with his girlfriend, who's, you know, a, a decade or so younger than him, could really assume this these fake identities and, and slide around the country under the radar what did they do every day? You know, well, what we found out was, you know, they moved to New Orleans and they, they lived uh, in, a, in a real rural bayou town. Um, and they befriended a, a local family there that had no idea who Whitey Bulger was. And even after he was captured and they were told who he was, they, they still refused to believe it. And we interviewed that family, the Gautreaux family. And they have some fascinating stories about the lifestyle that Whitey and Catherine lived down there. They knew him as... Uncle uh, Charlie and Aunt Carol, and they befriended this family. They, they, um, Whitey took the young man under the young son. His name is Bruiser uh, Gatreau. Took him under his wing and, and kind of taught him life lessons about staying in school and you know being a, being a good you know training him to be a good man and, and be kind to people and that sort of stuff. And um, you know another thing that we found out about the couple Whitey and Catherine is that everywhere they went, they, they were attracted to people that had pets. They love animals. And that's the one thing that really kind of humanized Whitey Bulger and Catherine um, at all. Uh, they would bond with these people over the pets and, you know, discuss dogs and cats, and, and Whitey and Catherine would even feed these animals and, and provide, um, you know, in some cases they gave people money to kind of take care of their pets. Um, and we also found out that when he, you know, when he was out in California that he was very calculated in his ways of staying in touch with people back home, including his brother, Billy. Um, he would pay for a car in cash and drive across country to Detroit and call from Detroit back to Boston to talk to people. 
And he did this to throw off the scent of the feds to make them think that he was actually in Canada and crossed the border to make calls in Detroit. As you know, you know Detroit's right near Windsor, Ontario. So yeah. um, those are the kind of things we found out about Bulger. And, um, you know, look, he was, a, he was a student of crime, and he was also a student of, of being a fugitive. He was really good at it. Who are some of the, the key people you interviewed for this book? Uh, well, we, you know, we did uh, over 30, 30 interviews for this book. Um, you know, we obviously we spoke with his brother, Billy, at length. Uh, we spoke to all the FBI agents who were involved in his capture. And um, they really are the ones that shine the light on how the case was broken. And that's another piece of the book that I think people never really have gotten the full story on how the case was broken. And it was really broken um, by a combination of, of, a, of, uh, of luck and, and, and smart moves by a new group of FBI agents and U.S. Marshals that were put on the case um, late in the game. And this was after years and years and years of the FBI office being accused of being corrupt and not wanting to find him, to the point where many people thought they were hiding him on purpose because they were afraid if they found him of what he would say. Well, a lot of these younger agents... Um, that ended up being the ones that captured them. They had no allegiance to that old guard of the FBI office in Boston. Uh, they wanted to dispel this myth. They wanted to break that stigma and capture this guy once and for all to restore the dignity of the FBI office and uphold justice. And, and that's what they did. And the way they did it uh, is, is pretty amazing. And we lay it out in the book. And the key uh, decision that was made was made by an FBI agent named Nor- Noreen Gleason, who decided you know what, we got to look for her, not him. And she was the one that decided to start scouring the world for Catherine Gregg. And they ended up finding some uh, pictures of her through a plastic surgeon uh, that, that Catherine had visited. And that's really what broke the case. Whitey Bulger is the leader of Boston's Winter Hill Gang. He's one of the most notorious crime bosses in American history and a longtime FBI informant. Dave, where do you think Whitey Bulger ranks in terms of crime bosses in American history? I mean, I think he's right in that top three, as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the evil three there. It's, you know, Al Capone, John Gotti, and Whitey Bulger. Um, you know, arguably, Whitey Bulger is the most notorious of them all, especially in pop culture with, you know, The Departed and Black Mass. And, um, you know, also the, you know, the, the way that he was intertwined with his brother, who was one of the most powerful politicians in Massachusetts, uh, as the president of the Massachusetts Senate and later as the president of the University of Massachusetts. Um, you know, him and his brother are such an interesting uh, duo where it's, it's, it's one of those things that just makes you scratch your head. You know, how did one brother go so bad and one brother be, be so, uh, so good? And, you know, when I sat down with Billy to talk about that issue, you know, he, he himself is mystified as to why his brother chose the route he did. He had a few explanations, um, which involve, you know, uh, police beatings. You know, his brother was, uh, when he was first getting into his criminal life, he would uh, get arrested a lot, and, and he said the police beat him a lot, and that just made Whitey even angrier. Um, but it's it's a fascinating character study to see how their two lives went on divergent paths, but they both rose to the top of their chosen careers. So I think that fact puts Whitey right there with those other two as far as notoriety 
and really that's what kind of rivets people is, you know, how did this guy manage to run Boston's criminal underworld while his brother was the most powerful politician in Massachusetts? It's uh, it's it's really uh, quite a quite a tale. He's Dave Wedge. He and Casey Sherman written the book Hunting Whitey, the inside story of the capture and killing of America's most wanted crime boss. It's out now. Dave, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Steve. And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition. I'm Steve Richards.